0: Grace and peace to you from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. If anyone wants to follow me, he must deny himself, take up his cross and follow. Well, there were two other pages in the before that. I didn't think that was sounding right. While we were yet sinners, we were reconciled unto God by the death of his son. And if we were reconciled by death, how much more are we saved by his life? enemies of God. I think for most of us, that description seems to be pretty strong. I mean, I never consider myself an enemy of God. I, I don't really seem to have any enemies at all. Most of that's a personal problem. First of all, I'm a bit of a derp, which allows me to not pick up on the social cues that might lead me to believe that somebody doesn't like me. I also tend to be tall and fat and intimidating, so people tend to just leave me alone I also tend to be a bit of an introvert so that when I am alone and sad and feeling like that, I feel pretty good about it because I'm like, hey, look, no one's talking to me. I have a break. And so I know full well that there are probably people out there who don't like me, but I don't know who any of those people are. So enemies seems to be kind of a strong word. In Romans this morning, Paul is speaking here about our separation from God. And in this separation, it may not have felt like anger. It may not feel like hatred. It may not feel like alienation from God, but it is. It can also be the result of our apathy and it can also be a result of our confusion. Paul's point is, when we were far, far away from God... God sought us. God made the move. God made the first moves. God didn't wait for us to be ready. God didn't wait for us to be changed. God didn't wait for us to come back. God moved first. And he sought us out when we did not seek him. While in the silence of our doubt, while our words were nearly erased, God made things right by the death of Jesus. We were separated whether we knew it or not. We were distanced whether we knew it or not. And we were separated and distanced from God. Some of us more distanced than others. I'll guarantee you that. And yet God reached out unto each and every one of us. And he treats us like friends. For we are no longer aliens. We are no longer enemies. We are friends. And God gives us his cross. And the cross of Christ is God's gift to his friends. Though, Paul says, some may die for a saint. Some may die for a righteous man. Others may even die for a loved one. Seldom does somebody die for a stranger. Certainly not for an enemy. With God, however, this is different. The cross is the Word The cross is the logos given to mankind to tell us that we are no longer enemies. We are only friends. There are no more strangers. There are only sons and daughters of the king. And through his suffering and self-giving love, Jesus offers himself unto us. And we're changed. We were changed from being aliens and enemies and strangers into being friends and heirs and family of God. And the cross is that gift the cross of Christ is that gift that God gives to his friends. The cross is not only the gift of of forgiveness and hope, it's also a mark of faithfulness unto God. As Jesus says, if anyone would follow me, they must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow. The cross is no mere trinket to be worn around the neck. If it if it simply rests upon our altars, we we've missed its significance. You see the cross of Christ is a way of life. The cross of Christ is a way of suffering. It is a way the cross of Christ <clears throat> and to to bypass that cross, to ignore that cross, to make it a mere decoration is one of the attempts that Satan use, that it uses that uses to put down Christ. Get behind me, Satan, is what, what Jesus says to Peter. Peter, Peter's trying to, to protect Jesus from the cross. Jesus tells his, his disciples he's going to Jerusalem in order to die for the sins of the world, and Peter says, that will never happen. I will not allow that to happen. Jesus disagrees. The images of the first temptations emerge where Satan wants Jesus to walk around the cross, to short-circuit the process, to move directly to glory. All the nations of the earth I will give unto you, says Satan, if you just simply bow down and worship me, but go around the cross, stay away from the suffering. When Dietrich Bonhoeffer was still a young man in Germany, when Hitler came to power, Barely 30, Bonhoeffer had already established himself as one of the leading theologians of his age. And he spoke out against the Nazi menace that was going on in and amongst his friends and neighbors. His friends arranged for him to flee to America where he could live in relative peace and safety and finish his book on ethics. His time in America, however, was not peaceful. With war becoming imminent, how could he he ever return home knowing that he had failed to fight that he had failed? failed to combat what he believed to be the darkest time in German's history. He knew what was going on. He saw it coming, and he saw it coming years before it actually fell upon the nation. Could he really live in America and teach in our universities and and, and finish his book and go, well, you know, I told them, I warned them, but I fled from the fight. Finally... After some time, it was clear that he was going to have to go back to work firsthand against Hitler's war machine and their, their, their fascist regime. Von knew that any attempt to save his life, his career, or his book were already doomed to be failed. The only those who risk their life for the sake of the gospel will find it, and the cross is a gift that God gives to his friends. There is an easier life to live. There is a safer life to live than a life of the cross, of course, to be sure. We can ignore the lies of the world. We can think, well, these things don't affect me. This is not my circus. This is not my monkey. I'm already retired. I don't have to work with this or work with that. I don't have to do with this. I'll just ignore all of it. But for those who lay claim to the name of Christ, we must be clear that any attempts to bypass the cross are works of evil It is a plot of Satan to suggest that we can answer our most difficult questions without suffering, without conflict, without trial, by simply ignoring them and hoping that they will go away on their own. And knowing that the cross lies in our path does not make this kind of living any easier. At times, the saints may scream, remove this thorn from us. Don't be so generous with your gifts, God. Share that suffering with someone else today. But the cross, the cross is an alternative to modern life. And it has always been an alternative to modern life. The cross cannot be avoided. Only the the price of losing oneself. Accepting the cross has always been accepting an alternative way of life. An alternative to what the world offers. The cross of God is an alternative to violence. It is an alternative to power grabbing and the dominance of the powerful over the weak and making people do things that they don't want to do. The cross is easy to accept because it means forgiveness and peace, but difficult when it is offered as an alternative life in the world, a life without tender. A life without divorce, a life without easy sex, a life with time clocks and responsibility and children, uh, school board meetings and microaggressions and sensitivity training and fictitious pronouns and dudes in dresses that expect you to call them ma'am. It's tough, I know. I mean, I never wanted to live in an ivory tower, yet here I am. And I know many of you know a lot more about this than I do. For my part, for the most part, I'm sort of isolated and insulated from this societal garbage. But many of you who work in corporate America know that it's a minefield of political correct wokeness, not to mention if you work in healthcare or schools or politics and parenting and business, the cross is the strong word that, that keeps the ends and the means always clearly within goal. And yes, we need to make a living. But our clear and final goal is the health Of human civilization. And life is more than a balance sheet. It's more than profit. It's more than a vocation. Ethics is not something we study just for Sunday morning. It's for Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday as well. In relationships, the cross is a reminder that as it is given and we are made strong, it is in giving that we're made strong. In sacrifice, we're made free. The cross is a a voluntary rejection of everything that is demeaning, of everything that steals the dignity from one another. It is not a rejection of all power. It's only the rejection of the abuse of power. We are all called to a life of decency and sexual purity, every single one of us. We're not guaranteed that we're going to get it ourselves. We're not going to guarantee that we're going to get our way. And there's going to be suffering in in the mix. There's going to be sacrifice on the way the suffering will come it's important for us to remember that we don't need to win it is enough for us to be faithful we do not need to be made into milk toast caricatures of what hollywood thinks and wishes christendom would be the cross of christ does not make us weak it does not make us ignorant it does not make us backward The cross of Christ does not ask us to wither in the face of controversy. The cross does not ask us to shrivel in the face of difficult circumstances. The cross does ask us to deny ourselves, but not to deny Christ. Here I stand, I can do no other. So help me God. A line that Luther probably didn't say, but I feel the sentiment anyway. Luther does tell us to sin boldly, though. And that does not mean and ever has meant to, to ignore modesty. It doesn't mean that we should drink heavily or cuss loudly. What Luther, what Luther meant by that statement is to live boldly, to speak courageously, to think originally, to rely upon God for our forgiveness and our salvation. It encourages us to take action, even though and even if that action may prove to be wrong, It's better to take action than to just be silent. Luther grew impatient with his cool and detached scholarly friend, Melanchthon, who was so concerned about being proper, for heaven's sake, Luther blew up at him, shouted at him. Why don't you just get out there and sin a little? God deserves to have something for the forgiveness he has wrought in you. Instead of retreat, the cross is an invitation to risk it is an invitation to a robust life. And when we err, and we will err, and when we fail, and we will fail, and when we mess up and we're going to mess up, the Lord has promised that he will forgive you for your sins. He will forgive you in times when Facebook will not. But who cares what Facebook thinks, Right? And the way of the cross is indeed a leads to suffering and we rejoice in those sufferings knowing that suffering endures, brings patience or enduring, suffering produces endurance. And endurance produces character and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given unto us. And when we fail and we will, he will not desert us. He will not leave us. He will not consider us enemies because we are indeed the friends of God. And when we are cowardly and it will happen, he will not abandon us. And when we sin, he will forgive us. And when we crumble, he will forgive us. And when we give in, he will forgive us. The cross is not a word. It's not just a word. The cross is the word. It is the final word. It is the last word that we will ever hear. And that word simply means that we are not aliens. We are not not enemies. We are not strangers. We are friends of God. And the cross is the gift that God gives unto his friends. And we are friends. Friends of God. Friends of the kings. The king of life. In Jesus' name. Amen.